There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hello, this is Chris Cooper. Welcome to the Business Elevation Show on the 4th of March. It's brilliant to be back with you again for for yet another week. Uh, And I'm delighted today we've got two amazing guests. We're going to be talking about mental and financial resilience um, with Alan Chambers, MBE, and David Howell. Um, But before we do that, I'd like to say a a big thank you to my guest, to Michelle Mills-Porter. I don't know if you had the opportunity to listen to last week's show, but it was really very, very moving. We talked about the magnificence of humanity and Michelle Mills-Porter, her sort of struggle through the tsunami in, um, in, in Sri Lanka back in 2004 on Boxing Day and how that really changed her life from the, the successful business, award-winning business that she had uh, through to kind of reinventing herself and what she learned um, through that terrible struggle. Um, so a really uh, amazing story, some, some great insights last week as well, um, certainly moved me if you're not listening to the show. And you're, you're thinking, you know, today in this strange world that we're going through right now with all of this, uh, this turmoil that's happening on a, on a, in Central Europe and uh, the tension across the planet, um, it's just good to remind ourselves of the, the magnificence of humanity. And this show really stands for, you know, for connection and caring and uh, and uh, loving people and coming together and collaboration. Um, it doesn't, um, it doesn't um, uh, support some of the things that are going on and the behavior that's uh, occurring worldwide. We need to stick together uh, as people and we need to do good and we need to refocus our attention on, on improving the, the planet and improving everybody's well-being, I think. Which brings us um, nicely, I think, to today's show. And talking about you know, mental and financial resilience. Um, resilience is just so, so important. And I wonder right now with everything that's going on, you know, are you feeling highly resilient? I know many people won't be, many people are struggling right now. And I wonder if you're able to effortlessly achieve all your endeavors, or you know, like so many, you're feeling a degree of overwhelm, you know, overwhelm in these, uh, these strange, strange times. And I've spoken to a number of people this week who are feeling that uh, that overwhelm, and uh, you know I think we have to work on ourselves to ensure that we can we can um, be the best that we can be for other people and help in these kinds of situations. But my guests today they know all about building uh, both mental and financial resilience, and when it comes to mental resilience, uh, my guest Alan Chambers, MBE, is a former Royal Marine. He's a celebrated adventure. He's a leadership expert. He successfully led the first team to walk from Canada to the geographic North Pole without any support services. Uh, a 70-day walk across ice, which combined with near starvation, low f- fuel supplies, and actually the worst weather recorded in the polar region in over 100 years. He's also been called upon by the England rugby team, by the England cricket team with major success. And he works with all sorts of businesses and leaders as well, helping them to develop that mindset and, and lead better. And then we have David Howell, whose 36-year career in financial services has seen him um, overseeing some major investment and regulatory changes in the UK and internationally. He's got a real taste for charitable expeditions as, as well. And he's got a passion for the, and the field today of financial well-being. So I'm looking forward to talking with, to these two guys today and really helping us to kind of step up and elevate our, our mental and financial resilience. So um, a huge welcome to both uh, gentlemen who are about to go on an amazing trip to Norway today. Um, so, uh, yeah, welcome. I'll, I'll, well, I'll start with you, David, as I've just finished in- introducing you. Um, wh- where are you going? Yeah, th- thank you, Chris. And thanks for inviting uh, myself on, on the show. Uh, so, yeah, I've been roped into this by uh, Alan to go over to Spitsbergen. And uh, he tells me he's going to carry my sledge. Aren't you, Alan? Maybe half a mile, David. That's about it. We'll see how we get on. Oh, cheers, mate. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for me signing up for that. <laughs> It'll be good fun to hear how you've got on uh, at the end of that. 
And uh, I mean, just tell us a little bit about, you know, your, you know, what was your sort of driving force, David, when it came to the kind of financial aspects here? And I know you're also interested in this whole area of well-being. And why is this all this so important to you now? Yeah. Um, Well, Chris, um, first of all, I came into financial services by accident, originally destined for the army as a a boy soldier, but for various reasons, uh, Uh, Unfortunately, this didn't happen. And so for the last 36, 40 years, it's been a journey or a a roller coaster of a ride to arrive at at this juncture in my life and and through those life experiences. And uh, having now found, for me, I think my uh, purpose is the financial well-being. And it's all about helping people to thrive and aspire uh, to the life that they want and, and live that true uh, with clarity uh, and focus uh, and uh, be the person that they want to be. Uh, so that that's in the well-being. I think through the rest of the program, we, we can talk more about the, the financial well-being, but I, I, it chose me. I didn't choose it, to put it that way. It's, I mean, it's interesting with your work. I know you, you set up a big you know, company, which uh, you've, uh, you've moved on from now, financial uh, company, yeah, um, but you. What I think is is nice about you, and we we met through a, a mutual friend, Mansoor Malik, who's a very caring individual and been on the show before. Um, that actually, you know, you do, you do have a financial background, but you do care, don't you? Yeah, I, I think it's not how much you know; it, it's how much you care. And I think well-being, especially over the last few years, has has kind of come to the surface. It's provided a, a perfect storm where people are self-analyzing what's it all about what's my purpose and there's been an initiative in the UK uh, about four years ago it started the initiative for financial well-being and that's beginning uh, to gain momentum uh, more so than ever it's done uh, in the past. Mm. And whereabouts do you live where, where are you from originally? Sunny Doncaster. Ah, okay so you're, you're also uh, pretty local to where Myself and Alan were brought up because um, yeah. Alan on the show now and uh, quite, quite uh, strangely, Alan and I were, we were born in the same town. We went to the same school uh, and Alan's sister, Debs, we were in the same class through school as well. Um, so she mentioned you a couple of years ago. So it's great to meet you, Alan, uh, by, by kind of coincidence through, through David. But tell us a little bit about, you know, what inspired you. You know, you're a boy from Scunthorpe. You became a Royal Marine, a prolific adventurer. And you're now inspiring the development of uh, leaders and organisations. Uh, you know, how did that all come about? So you you you, know, you went to Frederick Goff like me in Scunthorpe. <laughs> I did, and, and a little bit like David in in some aspects, you know. But I think for me, I I chose to join the Marines. I was very focused at, at a tender age of 14 years old that I wanted to be a Royal Marines commando. So I put things in place to be able to hopefully pass the course when I was, uh, you know, the young age of 16. So. I made a real commitment um, in, in my early teens that that was my sole focus through the tail end of, you know, high school to to, to become a Marine. So then from there, I, I, I was fortunate to get selected, go on selection and then pass the course and awarded the Greenberry. And then at 17, I had a good 17-year career in the Marines. But we talk a lot about caring and compassion and uh, this is like David. Now, I never set out to be an adventurer. I was fully blown commando for the full 22 years, and that was going to be my career. And then a, a dear friend of mine in the Marines broke his neck, became quadriplegic, couldn't walk at the age of 21. And it was that that changed the course of my my life, even though I stayed in the Marines for another 10 years after, after that accident. But I, I then had a purpose to raise money for spinal research. And in America at the same time, um, Christopher Reeve, the Superman, broke his neck on a horse riding accident. So we joined up two charities, one in America, one in the UK, to try and raise funds for spinal research. And that's really how the adventure side of my, my career started and took off. I've always been quite um, challenging myself. So I've done some, before that, some cycle rides, um, you know, basically to win a bet, if I'm being honest, Chris. Somebody bets <laughs> me and I'll take the bet on. And, you know, I cycled across Europe and I cycled the East Coast of America. Well, they would... That was just stubbornness, to be honest with you. Then when, when Richard broke his neck, then I had a real purpose to raise money to try and get him out of his wheelchair and connect the two charities. And I've, I've been in the adventure world ever since then, really. I've just kept walking. So it goes back to that caring nature of humanity, really. 
Yeah. And, and does your does your work in leadership then today, does that also help kind of fund the adventures? Is that the... Well, I, 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 was, I was fortunate to be sponsored when we walked from Canada to the North Pole, which was a mystery to me. I, couldn't, I could not understand why some of the great explorers in, in Great Britain could not do this trip. So I spent five years researching, planning, training. I lived with some Inuits in the Northwest Territories for five years. Every year for a month or two months, I, I immersed myself into that culture to understand the ice and what could I learn from generation upon generation of Inuit that they could teach me that would help me hopefully you know, lead a team to the North Pole. And I went through that whole, well, I say journey of self-leadership really to upskill myself because a lot of people just think leadership is about being able to read in a map and a compass. For me, that's about 10% of the job as a leader on the ice or on an expedition. It's, it's, it's more about the empathy and, and that caring nature I've seen people when they're struggling, when they're when they're out of their comfort zone, when they need some support, and also being honest with with the team when you need that support as well. Because you know we we all like the title leader. I'm the leader of this. I'm the leader of that. But we're as vulnerable as everybody else. So it's about having that that acceptance of vulnerability. So I, I learned a lot, and then I was lucky to be sponsored by Diageo and Shiflin and Somerset, um, which was a distributing company in New York. And when I got back from the success of the North Pole. They asked me to go on a, on a tour of America speaking about self-leadership and also about a brand ambassador, you know, because they sponsored us. So I became a brand ambassador for Diageo, for Johnny Walker. And then I, I cut my teeth speaking about leadership um, all the way across America from the east to the west coast and then got noticed that I was speaking in America by a UK speaking bureau and they put me on their books. And then from there, I, I've spent the last 20 years now speaking about leadership, self-leadership, you know, teamwork, all the, all the great things. And then uh, what's come really to the surface over the last five years, because you see the trends in leadership, you know, when you, when you do enough speaking and you see enough companies and you, and you discuss or you have dinner or lunch with enough, you know, either managers, leaders or, or, or staff, then you see the trends of styles of leadership that have gone on over the last two decades. And now this, there's a real trend about having that empathy for, for, for the workforce. And it's not just about task orientated and target driven. It's more about, you know, getting, hoping that your, your staff and everybody in your team can be the best they possibly can. And that's why I think the mental resilience, you know, what David talks about financial resilience has really come to the, to the forefront now of, of what leadership is all about. It's not just about follow me. I know what I'm doing and I've got all the knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. And I can imagine with, with all of your, your military experience and your experience on the ice, etc. You you built you've you've built resilience, uh, and uh, that's quite an interesting point, isn't it? That resilience is something that we need to build. Absolutely, but you know, mental resilience. If you look at the brain, the brain's a muscle, therefore you can train it. You know, resilience. We've all we're all resilient people. You know, every single person is resilient at different levels and at different times. So it ebbs and flows like any other emotion. And because it, it obviously has been driven by the brain, then we know we can train that and we can we can get our resilience stronger. It takes a, it takes some time. It obviously takes some commitment. But more more, I think more importantly, it takes that recognition at the beginning that I'd like to be a little bit more resilient. So it can absolutely be trained and you can become stronger at it. You don't have to go through, you know, a military commando course or, or, or any kind of academy or, or put yourself through something of, of, of that rigor just to build resilience. Anybody, anywhere can build resilience. And like I said, it ebbs and flows depending on, you know, the circumstances you're in either at that moment or what normally we see is a, is, is a collective of circumstances where, you then get to a tipping point. So you may be having a, a great day and then one, two, three or four incidents come into your life, either from a business perspective, personal perspective, or even you know a financial perspective. But when they all come at once, then you get that critical mass and, and when people then really come under pressure and really rely on their resilience. So it's about, for me, you're know, being prepared for those moments when all those, all those bad experiences collide at the same time, not trying to manage them after and, and, and this is the really big message I'm, I'm seeing in, in industry, in the corporate world, and, and even in the military, believe it or not, that they're trying to, to build resilience before incidents happen instead of being reactive when people are just trying to cope with too much and, and, and we get to that tipping point. Yeah, 
Great. Well, um, I'm going to move across to uh, to David. And uh, David, don't worry about the time. I've decided we're going to just have one commercial break today so we can, because uh, we've got lots and lots to talk about. But I mean, from your perspective, you know, globally, there's a, there's a lot going on right now. And what's, what's your take on the importance of, of mental and financial resilience today? Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, that's a really, uh, really good question, a, a massive question. And I, and I believe it's, it's critical and crucial, uh, Chris, that we have a plan and a strategy to deal with what we're facing today and reiterating what Alan's just said. And I hope between us chatting this afternoon, we can give your listeners some ideas and some coping mechanisms to deal with what, we've, what we're facing. But if we look at uh, well-being, uh, there are basically five elements to it. Um, and this is research by Gallup going back to 1960, where those five elements are the career, the physical, the financial, community and social. And within the career, it's just how we occupy our time um, and simply liking what, what we do every day. And that's really important as a career. And I, I think we see at the moment there's a great shift where people are, are changing career and uh, resigning uh, and deciding this is not for them. And then there's the physical, having good health and enough energy to get things done on a daily basis. And a lot of people can struggle with that. And that leads into to the mental, which I, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about later when it comes to what Alan's put together with the basics uh, programme. The financial, and that is a thread between all of them, I think, it's our relationship to money. And money is a tool and how we have that relationship is important. And once we know it's a tool, it's how we deal with it and how that transcends into these other areas, specifically community and having that sense of engagement uh, where we live in the area. And and this is definitely so in, in the pandemic as we're coming out of it. We've got to have that sense of community. And we're seeing this now where people are helping other people uh, and, and also the social quality of your social relationships. Uh, it's quality, not quantity, um, which I, I believe that matters. And those are the, the five elements, but the one that I feel is so important is the, the financial side of it. And there are five pillars of this financial well-being that has been researched uh, by uh, the US, uh, the Consumer Financial uh, Protection Bureau, and also in a book by Chris Budd uh, in the, uh, the financial well-being. And it's, all, it's about having a, a clear path to achieve financial objectives. Um, also feeling in control of your daily finances, which is that relationship to money as well, and having that ability to cope with financial shock, especially what's happening in the, in the markets at the moment, and having different options, financial, financial options in life, I think it's important also to understand where you are, where you want to be, and how you're going to get there. But also having, which I think is really important, is having that clarity and security for those who, who, you, who you leave behind. It's what you want to be remembered for. Um, so that's a, a really high level, Chris, because I could talk all day about it. I think yeah, I think we'll have to get you back at some point to uh, to chat through some of this a little bit more. And, and you um you you help people develop a game plan around this. Um, you know how do you how do you best do that? Yeah, so the game plan is the mechanism where people can determine uh, what their goals are, uh, the vision and the purpose uh, they want to live in life. And the A is for the actions that it gives them a map and a compass and also what are the obstacles that could get in the way. And the means is it's not just about the money. It's about your life skills, your talents and your unique abilities. And finally, it's that execution of what's the strategy and tactics you're going to do to execute your plan, the game plan, and having some accountability for it. So we kind of put a a structure together that, that delivers that that well-being as well as financial well-being by producing uh, a personal financial tailor-made game plan that is a, le- a living, breathing uh, document. 
I see. So you, you kind of work through when you're, you're coaching, you're supporting people yeah. to go through this kind of journey. That's um, right, Chris. Yeah. I'm sure. Cause that, cause that you see, you know, you meet people who are uh, with great financial means who, who don't have that well-being, don't have that in those different areas of their life. So it's, uh, it's, uh, it's balancing all of that. And what's your take on that, Alan? What's your take on goals, actions, means, and execution? You know, being, you being a, an incredible adventurer, um, any thoughts on that and any examples when you've really utilized that and overcome great adversity? Well, if you look at David, David's uh, goals plan and, you know, the way I would, I would put my strategy together for an expedition to walk to the North Pole or, or the South Pole, you need the framework, you need the plan. That's the measure that you'll gauge whether you're, you're ahead of time, behind time, can take a rest day, need to speed up, all, all those decisions you have to make as a leader and as a team will be built around that 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 game plan or that strategy on the ice. People who go onto the ice, and I know quite a few teams that have gone there with no real strategy, no real plan, and have a what-if attitude, just see how we get on, will we'll always fail within the first 10 to two weeks because they'll be behind what they think is their mental plan in their, in their mind that they've created and actually can't see far enough ahead because they physically can't see a strategy written down that the whole team have bought into. So it's for me, it's exa- it's the same thing. But I, I think just to try and make a link between the, ad- the the adventure world, the extreme adventure world, the polar world, and and the financial world with with what David's put together there. You know, we've we've talked a lot about purpose, and when you look at resilience, you know, financial resilience, mental resilience on an expedition. When you look at it in the business context, you know, to build that mental resilience. Is not shouldn't just fall on the door of the of the HR. It shouldn't just fall on 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 you know somebody's feeling unwell now and they can't do their job, so they need to be signed off. Yes, obviously we need that kind of support, but that's kind of once the horse horse is bolted, that mental resilience should be put in place before, and it shouldn't be just HR. It should be looked upon as an operational necessity. Because the more people that that are, are sick or are poorly or are ill that can't come to work. It has a huge effect on the productivity of not only the team they belong to, but the overall company and what they're trying to deliver you know, on, on the bottom line. So in my mind, you know, resilience is not just about that personal HR and, and, and well-being. It's more about the, the bigger picture, which is, which is um, you know, that the company's got to still have that, that level of productivity, which comes under then an operational necessity, not, not just a, a medical or well-being necessity. And what you were saying there is that you, if when you're doing your adventures, it's uh, it, it is your, your plans are written down, are they? You've got uh, you've, you've got all your, um, your your goals and actions and means and execution. People are clear of that before you set off, and the, and you've broken it down. Have you into stages? Well, if you think about walking from Canada to the North Pole, it's roughly as the crow flies in a completely straight line. You're looking at about twelve hundred and fifty kilometers, so it's a three month walk basically. And when you walk from Canada, you're walking against the tide, against the drift, albeit the ice is obviously frozen, it still moves. So if you just say, well, it's, it's, it's 520 miles and we'll do you know, 10 miles a day every day and we'll be finished in 52 days, that doesn't take into the account that the negative resistance of the ice pushing you back towards Canada because it, it, it's moving. So you could say, if the team just think, right, 10 miles every day for 50 days, we'll complete it. In their mind, they're thinking every day they've got to do 10 miles. Now, I don't understand why people would put a strategy in place like that when the conditions on day one are completely different to the conditions on day 49. Mm, mm. And you may be able to achieve that on day 49 when you're, you know, you're, you're, you're fit, you're a lot fitter towards the end of the, well, it should be towards the end of the, end of the project. Your sledges are lighter, the weather's warmer. You've got into a great routine. You certainly won't be able to do it at the first week two weeks or even three weeks. So they're actually setting themselves up for failure. So what I tried to do was to combat that. You could be the fittest, physically most fit person on the planet, but if you don't have that mental resilience with looking at a, a strategy and giving the team smaller targets to hit, then you will, you will fail like everybody else. And when you, when you set the team off from Canada to the North Pole, it is a huge target. It's so far away, physically, emotionally, you know, and just on the planet, it's so far away. That I don't need my team thinking every morning when they wake up, I've got a thousand kilometers to go to get to the North Pole, especially when they've lost five kilometers that night in the tent because the ice has moved backwards. 
I need my team to be thinking, right, I've only got 11 miles to do in 11 days. Oh, we've done it. In, we've done it in 10. How good are we? And you build that, that success. You know, if you put unachievable targets at the beginning, the team will just mentally just give in. The resilience will be broken. So it's, for me, that strategy is really important. To, to, and I, I do it every time. And then when the team are getting stronger, we just push the strategy a little bit further. You know, we, an extra hour here, an extra hour there. And before we know it, you know, we're ahead of the game. And that's really important that, 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 that the leader has a complete handle on the, the team's performance, strengths and weaknesses as, as, as and when that person opens up the strategy or pushes it a little bit further. But I will not go on an expedition with, without working out exactly where I should be at what time and what I think my team can achieve. And then once they've achieved the first one, one or two targets, then you work out how do I push them. Makes it makes an enormous amount of sense. So we're going to go to commercial break now, and after the after the commercial break, we'll uh, we'll find what we um, you know work out what we can do when um, people's resilience may ebb because it will it ebbs and flows, and uh, we'll talk uh, uh, about um, financial resilience, and we'll talk about um, a system called Basic that Alan uh, Alan applies to help his clients to uh, achieve greater resilience. So do join us after the break. We'll be back with you in just a couple of minutes. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One to one mentoring and coaching facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Alan Chambers, MBE, and David Howell. We're talking about mental and financial resilience. And I want to ask you, Alan. You know, from you know, from your expeditions, is is you know, one area you've you know, you've been through some serious, serious situations. You know, combining near near starvation and low fuel and terrible weather. You know, what are your thoughts on uh, on you know, resilience when it's ebbing and flowing because of uh, challenges that are that are happening on the journey? I, I, thank you, Chris. I think you can break resilience down into three key pillars, really. You know, we just think that it's a, we've got to be mentally resilient. But it, it's, you know, the way I look at it, it's psychological resilience, it's technical resilience, and it's physical resilience. And you can build all of those pillars and all of those strengths. And, and if, if one of those uh, pillars, you know, starts to increase, we, we naturally think our, our overall resilience and performance improves. And it normally does you know, because one will pick up the other. However, the opposite side of the coin is, you know, if you've got a deficit in any of one of those psychological, technical or physical pillars of resilience, your overall performance will dip. So it's identifying where, where, where the resilience is either ebbing and flowing from a psychological, a technical and a physical point of view. And it, it takes quite a lot of, I wouldn't say skill, but common sense and awareness really when, you, when you're leading a group to look at everybody through the eyes of those three pillars because you can get some super fit you know, women and men that have been training, you know, like a demon for, for two or three years for an expedition of a lifetime, but they will break in two or three, two or three days because psychologically they're not prepared for it. They think that it's just about brute force, pulling a sledge, coping with a little bit of cold weather, you know, so they're physically strong. But what they haven't done is put, you know, time in the harness, done some really long days, got really bored. And once boredom kicks in, 
on, on any any program or any expedition once boredom kicks in the mind wanders the resilience you know ebbs a little bit and then all of a sudden they're feeling weak and you know deep down they've got the physical strength so I, I've, I've always been a big believer that that, that you know the body will play catch up to the mind so if you can keep your mental psychological resilience really strong you know you're physically fit you should be able to you know have that conversation with yourself and then the third pillar really that technical bit is is about accountability so technical resilience about understanding the environment you know if you if you're not as good as you should be do some extra courses do some extra learning don't be physically strong psychologically strong but then let yourself down or your resilience level down by not understanding you know, the techniques, the skills, or, or whatever it is you need to do on an expedition or, or even in a workforce. So you've got to identify that all the three different pillars in my mind, you know, not just the just mental resilience. It, 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 for me, it's set in, in, in thirds. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, what happened, I'm just interested what happens when, you know, situations that, that, that happen. I'm, I'm uh, one of the friends of our show who, who rode from, uh, Japan, first person to row across the South Pacific, you know, 50, 50 days from the end of the, I think it was a 170 day journey. Um, he, he discovered that his, his father had passed. He's kind of on the, on the, on the boat. And uh, with the shock of uh, dealing with that and being a long way from home, I mean, in what, um, how do you, how do you deal with situations where, you know, somebody's had an, had an injury, somebody's uh, found in a loved one's taken ill, um, you know, those, because those things can really drag you back, can't they? They can, and, and you know, you, you touched on something there, which is, you know, resilience comes normally situation specific. You know, when, when it does ebb, it's, it's normally about a situation like, like, like you've, you've mentioned there, and, and it's hard. It's and everybody's an individual, you know. So I've been in situations where, you know, we've, we've not on expeditions, but we've lost people in, in a former life where, or former job, sorry. You know, people have wanted to give up. People are really struggling. I've had bad news from home halfway on a trip. So how do you how do you cope with that? And everybody's got their own coping mechanism. And, and for some people to say enough's enough and for me and for them to turn around, that for me is a really brave thing to do. It's not, it shouldn't be just about what, no matter what, I'm going to go for it. And I'll, you know, that, that, those days have gone. And they were, they were prominent in the military, you know, wipe your eyes, carry on, pick yourself up, you know, and, and it was ignored in the military that how people were feeling emotionally until it exploded, until people literally had too many things to cope with all at the same time. So now there's, there's a lot of work gone into the military about identifying um, the people's emotional state, you know, from a, from a, from a trauma perspective. And, and they will be affected like anybody else by home life and family life, not just operational life within the military. So it, the, in a good way, in a really good way now, you know, the world has come to terms with that. You know, not everybody is as, or should be act as tough as they should. You know, it's more about, you know, active listening now and, and looking at people and thinking, right, that person's got too much on, so that person needs to decompress. How do we get that person to decompress, whether it be on an hourly basis, daily basis, or even, you know, a, a weekly basis till that person's ready to come back in and cope? What you don't want to be doing is just overloading people that we used to 10, 15 years ago because either targets or, or the military mindset that should never give in, and then you break people. It's, it's more about getting people to the end point than it is you actually breaking them, you know. So situation-specific is, 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 will always be there forever, you know, forever and a, and a day. It's about how do you, you know, you can control the controllables, but how do you manage the uncontrollable events that happen when, 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 when in, in a situation, really? Yeah, feels like... Uh... Those words, caring and and compassion, are you know, important and uh, uh, you know required in those situations and uh, to help help people sensibly through this without breaking them because we've had enough of uh, uh, issues with people with uh, post traumatic stress and that doesn't just happen in the military, does it? it happens in in business as well. It happens. Uh, my wife's a medic. It happens in that sector hugely too. Um, it's happened after COVID with people dealing with it in hospitals. Uh, caring, care, and compassion goes a long way. Any thoughts from you, David? Listening to this. Yeah, th th thanks. Sorry, Chris. Uh, just unmuting then. Um, yeah, I think what Alan uh, is saying is spot on, and the basics program that Alan has developed does look at moving between the, the, the stress and strategic recovery to help build resilience, enabling us as individuals, human beings, to perform under pressure. 
And I do remember a phrase many years ago, uh, teacup, uh, thinking clearly under pressure. And in the basics program, A is for attitude. And I think it, it aligns to what is the purpose and that aggregation of the optimism. And we talked about this before, Chris, about ikigai, that Japanese mm. word of, of the purpose, something that you love, what the world needs, what you paid for, and that you're really good at it. So it's that passion, your vocation that gives that purpose. And the World Economic Forum has just, just recently uh, reiterated that people on the island of Okinawa, they, they have that purpose. There isn't such a word as retirement. It, they live a, a meaningful existence. So uh, thought, my thoughts on, on resilience, it can be trained, can be developed, both uh, mentally, physically, and uh, your financial well-being can be uh, trained and developed as well. And and it's creating good habits. Um, I'm, I'm sure you've heard of James Clear when he talks about atomic habits. Uh, it's all about having that planning and preparation. And, and I'll quote Robin Sharman. I mean, he, he, he talks about the 5 a.m. club and having that victory hour uh, where – you, you sweat more in the arena and bleed less on the battlefield. And that is that victory hour to, to really put on your armour for the day and, and, and plan and prepare the day. And so I think it's important um, that as human beings, we, we work together on, on, this, on this area, resilience, mental resilience and, and financial well-being, especially uh, in these uncertain times. Yeah. I like that. It's a victory hour and, uh, putting on your your armor for the for the day and that requires preparation doesn't it to to prepare yourself for the day really um what's a, tell us a little bit alan um, david mentioned there your basics program what does basics stand for i think he mentioned age was for attitude but what, what does it stand for how does it help yeah so a basics program was put together um by looking at all, all a lot of jobs um in every country so from a, from a military um, perspective from a uh, enforcement, police enforcement, from all the blue lights, from the fire, fire service, ambulance service, NHS medics, you know, really high pressurized jobs and people went through a big evaluation and realized that, you know, when you're under under immense pressure, you know, how do you, how do you cope with one or two or three or four incidents coming all together and, and realized that it wasn't just about do your job, go home, Try and try and get some sleep, have some normal family time, and come back and do it again. How people people were taking that taking that stress, taking all all of that home with no real um, crutch crutch to say to fall back on when 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 it was too much. So families were there's a huge obviously divorce rate in the military because no one was allowed to speak about the pressure they were going under, and 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 it was just brushed under the carpet. So it was a huge evaluation across uh, across the, uh, the USA, across the UK from a military perspective and, and a lot of specialist operations and, and units as well uh, where, where this came from. So it, it's an online resilience program that anybody can do from, from basically any age, to be honest with you. We've got people on the program that are teachers, that are, that, that are in, a, in a, you know, especially through COVID, that obviously the anxiety of coming to school with 20, 30 children that they could pass on COVID and take it home to their families. There's a huge amount of anxiety, you know, within within the teaching community. So we've got teachers on the basic program. We've actually got some super yacht crews and everyone thinks, oh, what a great lifestyle they've got on a on a, on, a, on a super yacht. But actually they're they're isolated somewhere and, and they 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 can't get off the yacht. There's no one else coming on. So and and they, they kind of live on their own boat for for quite some months. So we've got some some isolated crews who are doing the basics and we've got some military we've got some nurses we've got a real array of people across the spectra of of, of people that are just feeling that there's there's they want a coping mechanism that like david said can can become a routine and once it becomes a habit in a routine then then you don't think about it and there's a lot of people now using you know the likes of the basics program so you know without going into two depths obviously basics it stands for something. So B A S I C S is the basics program, and the, and and the good thing about this is is each each pillar, each element. You know, it's not just about going through that that pillar and then moving on. You can go in in between each pillar, in between each each category, and you can go back to it as well and think, oh, I missed that last time. So just to quickly run it through it, Chris, the B is biology. So it's the brain, the body, and the breathing. And a lot of people don't think 
too much, you know, I don't put much attention towards, you know, when you, when you have got that anxiety, when you, when you are in, in just about to go into a panic, how important, you know, the breathing methods really are. They really do help. And we, we've got some really, uh, what should I say, some people in some really tough environments that can manage their breathing now. It gives them clarity. You know, like David said, thinking, you know, under pressure, gives them the clarity to, to make the next step, to make the next move. But more importantly, to think about making the next step. So, you know, bio, B is for biology, the brain, the body, and the breathing. And David's touched on the A. So A is for attitude. So it's the alignment to purpose, which is something I've always tried to do uh, from, a, from leaving the military and then having that purpose that I get up in the morning and whether it be, you know, doing an expedition, planning an expedition, you know, we, we work a lot with special education needs and David's been a mentor on some of these programs. It's all about finding that purpose and maintaining that purpose. You know, we all, we all have bad days. Everybody has a down day. Nobody's superhuman. But if you can go back to that place of purpose, it's really important. It's also really powerful. And that purpose could be anything. Some people are driven by money and it is their purpose. Some people are just driven by be, being happy and having a happy day, you know, and everybody's needs are different. So A is for attitude and the alignment to purpose and the aggregation of optimism, which is really important when when I, I when when I think when you see some people that that are, I don't like the word suffering, but their their that their resilience has ebbed so much that that no one's identified it. So it's nice that some people can see the aggregation of, of, of instill the aggregation of optimism into people. S is for self care, and that really puts that onus on yourself and the accountability in a way to 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 make sure you have enough sleep. And we all work hard, and even in COVID. You know, people are working even harder, albeit they're working at home. They're still working as hard. And actually, they've slipped into longer work days because they're more comfortable and the days turn into 14, 16-hour days and they're not commuting. So they put the commuting time on onto their normal day. So all of a sudden, people are working a little bit harder, possibly with, not, with not, no greater productivity. So sleep is really important. Exercise, learning, and food. Learning to engage the brain, learning to upskill yourself. And just learning about yourself more in a way that you probably don't see sometimes when you jump on a train, or a bus or the underground or whatever it is to commute to work. You just get your laptop out or whatever it is. It's about taking those times to learn something else about yourself. And, and as we all know, you know, food plays a big part for self-care is, is that personal well-being sector of it. The eyes are inner control. So emotional regulation. And also the EQ, because everybody's got a different EQ, a different way of looking at people and a different way of behaving, behaving towards other people's, you know, EQ. And, and that really is, is a, I think we can all be guilty of, of losing a little bit of inner control, emotional regulation now and again. And we've seen that we've seen that being heightened through, through COVID. And I'll give you an example. A dear friend of mine um, is like a, a senior editor for a big newspaper in the UK. And he he rang me because when he went back to work after, I think it was 18 months of them not coming in the office, within four hours, two women were having a physical fight in the office in front of him as they were trying to, you know, edit the paper and get it to print and get it out, out, out the door. Two women that hadn't seen each other for 18 months had a disagreement about something that they would probably agree on in a heartbeat and they had a physical fight. So that 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 emotional regulation is is really important, I think, for people with any responsibility looking after a team of even one, two, or or ten to be aware of that people's you know EQ and emotional regulation will change. And then the the bit I really like is the C, which stands for circuit breakers. So that's all about energy management, reduce which obviously reduces the error and, and hopefully you know keeps you alert to the risks and it improves your performance. We, the days have gone, I think, where you try and get 25 hours out of somebody a day, you know, when you try and push people to the breaking point. If you break somebody, they're no good to anybody, you know. So so for, for me, that those circuit breakers, I have to do it at home when I've been working from home. I'm not one for sat behind a laptop for six, seven hours. That's just not me behind a screen. So I'll go and chop a bit of wood. I'll go for a walk. I'll, I'll go on a treadmill. I'll go in the garden. I'll walk the dog. It might be for 10 minutes, 15, 20 minutes. It might be for an hour. But it's really important to, to break the circuit. Everybody will find something to do. Somebody might want to bake a cake. They might want to walk to the coffee shop. Whatever it is, you break the circuit that is actually bringing you down. So circuit breakers are really, really important because obviously you then you know, re-energize yourself. I can sit back down for another hour and off I go again, chop a bit more wood, so on and so forth. I've gone beyond now just trying to do an eight, nine hour solid day 
doing the same thing. I can do it on the ice. I can do it on an expedition. But even on an expedition, we have circuit breakers. We stop every 90 minutes. We stop, chat, you know, check each other for frostbite, have some food. We have a conversation. That is a circuit breaker. And it's really, really important not just to let every day just blend into one. You know, if you don't have a break and, and physically put it in the diary to say, right, whatever it is, I'm still going to not work on a Saturday or whatever it is, I'll, tre- I'll play sport on a Sunday. You, it's really important to do that. And the last is S, social ecosystems. So the social support you have around you, your own self-leadership, you know, and, and, and the leadership within your group, you should be able to go and speak to your, your line manager, your team manager, or the overall leader, and they should be open to listen to where you are and what you're doing and if you need some help. But also, if you flip that around, you know, I, we're all leaders of self first before we need anybody else. And, and, and every leader, will, will resilience will ebb as well. So that, that person, that woman, that man will need support. So you can turn it around that the team should be able to support their leader as well. So Basics is an online program that you sign in, you can dip in, dip out, and you go through all the different, different levels on, on, on the different sectors. And it just gives you the tools to go back to and say, oh, yeah, I remember you know, that, that, that person came on the seminar and taught us about how important sleep was. And it's something that I, I, I have to admit that I neglect sometimes. I don't need as much sleep, but of course I do. So yeah, it's it's a, it's a really interesting, simple program backed up with fifty professor professors, educational rigor, and as we know, you know the world changes. It's it's obviously changed in the last ten days. So therefore, the science changes. So it's it's a program that can be updated and keep current with with you know with what's going on around the world. And, and just um, um, where do people go to access that if they want to? They can get hold of the program through uh, the website theextremeleaders.com. Yeah, yeah, extremeleaders.com. Excellent. We've just got now about uh, probably about four minutes till I need to wrap up. So um, sorry, David, we're going to have to come back at some point. Um, but your thoughts on on financial resilience, anything else that you'd like to share today, really, you know, following on from Alan's discussion around basics? Yeah, th- thanks, uh, Chris. Um, yeah, really, it, it's delivering uh, something where you're consistent and you improve yourself day by day. It's just just having that process and creating good habits. And through uh, yourself, trying to be the best version of yourself uh, and know your purpose. And it's important that you do have a plan. And that's where we talked about it earlier, that the game plan just delivers very similar outputs that we uh, talk about earlier and what basics talked about that what's your game plan does it give you that clarity and peace of mind does it give you that direction uh, and understanding your your relationship to money where you are where you're going to be how are you going to get there bringing that your future into the present and can you do something about it so i think you've got to no one plans to fail they just simply fail to plan And, and i think if you combine basics and a game plan you're not going to be far off in, in living the life that you want to live that makes um makes enormous amount of, amount of sense so um so some really great tools here so we've got we've got some um, you know developing the game plan with the um, goals and actions and means and executions there's basics there biology attitude self-care inner control circuit breakers social ecosystems uh and um uh, and then we need to we need to think about um, utilizing game plan when it comes to our financial means as well. Um, so we're coming towards the end of the interview. So, Davey, we better say something else. Yeah, sorry, just one plug f- for the book. Which uh, I've co-authored a book Please with uh, um, John, uh, my co-partner, John Kenelevic, and so that book is now available. It's, it's a bestseller on Amazon. There's more information. Uh, in that book, because we've just scratched the surface. We haven't even scratched the surface. So, uh, again, that's available on Amazon. If anyone wants to uh, click on that, uh, it's now available on Kindle. We're doing an audio. Thank you. What's it called? Uh, It's called uh, The Game Plan, Creating Wealth in Every Your Life. The Game Plan, Creating Wealth in? Every area of your life. Every area of your life. Excellent. So you've got a tool tool there to help with... um, you know your resilience when it comes to your mental well-being, and and there's a an opportunity there with regards to the game plan uh, to create wealth in every area of your life. Um, so do access those resources and do um, do explore those. And I've, I wonder, Alan, do you have a final message you'd like to leave us with? 
I just think really, Chris, it's a, you know, a line to David, really. You've got to invest in yourself, you know, and the game plan, the basic six and complements the game plan really well. So don't wait until, until you think you need it. You know, try, try to go through life, you know, never, never needing it. But to do that, to be able to do that, then you, you need to invest in it. When I mean invest, I don't just mean investing in money. I mean, you invest in all of those tools now and build that resilience through the rest of your life. And then hopefully you won't really need it. So it's about taking taking action now, not being reactive. Yeah, yeah. And, and I suppose right now, we, we, we haven't talked lots and lots about it, but the, the global climate at the moment is under enormous pressure I say global climate, I mean political and the, the, the war at the moment in Ukraine. And and people are feeling great anxiety about it. I was just talking to someone before we came on, her client and some of their staff have been in tears around it this week. We're all feeling pressure. And so you know, I kind of wonder, actually, that the time now to build that resilience is, is actually to get on with it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, Chris. And, you know, and it's... Sometimes it, it, it's too late, and you can you can catch all these people beforehand that are, that are really going to struggle. So yeah, yeah take some action now. I've got to yeah. finish off quick because we've got about 10, 10 seconds for you, David. Final message? Yeah. yeah, just take action. Do it now. Fantastic. Hey, I've really enjoyed this interview. Uh, it's been been absolutely great. I think uh, a lot of tools, a lot of ideas, a lot of things to think about when it comes to your mental uh, and financial resilience. If you found this interesting, please um, you know, do like it on the various platforms that you've found it. Do give me any, any feedback, chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Uh, do share it as well with people out there who you think right now might need to build their mental and financial resilience. On next week's show, we've got John Livesay. I think John lives in Hollywood. He's an amazing speaker. He's, we're going to talk about the sale is in the tail. We're going to talk about selling, but also storytelling and the power of storytelling, uh, which is uh, is hugely valuable and something that I teach uh, to my clients too. So do join us once again. Check out the, the extremeleaders.com. Check out the game plan. And I do hope you've taken something out of today. And I do wish you all the very, very best. Whatever you're doing, take care. Look, at, look after those people that are around you and their mental uh, well-being as well at the moment. Take care. We thank you for listening to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.